A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I am so glad that you've joined us on the program today. We are uh, once again focusing on the Democrats' gun control efforts on Capitol Hill. It looks like we are uh, headed for a vote this week on a pair of gun control bills, uh, both dealing with background checks. You've got H.R. 8, a uh, quote-unquote universal background check bill. Then there's H.R. 1446, uh, which would extend the time that the uh, FBI can uh, conduct a background check. Right now, you know, you go to a gun store, you uh, uh, try to buy a gun, you go through the NICS system. Most of the time it comes back approved, occasionally it comes back denied, and occasionally it comes back delayed. You don't get a response. Well, in those circumstances, the FBI has three days to conduct more research, and if they've not gotten back to the gun seller in three days, then the seller can release that firearm to the intended buyer. Uh, Under H.R. 1446, authored by Representative James Clyburn of South Carolina, the FBI can basically extend this indefinitely uh, for at least 10 days, and then after that, the burden would be on the gun seller to actually petition the government for permission to release that firearm, even if the government hasn't uh, said anything to them uh, in 10 days or more. This is an absolutely uh, ridiculous bill. I know that it's going to get a lot of opposition uh, in Congress. And in fact, uh, one of those members who will be voting against these proposals, uh, Congressman Doug Lamborn of Colorado's 5th Congressional District, who joined me just a short time ago to talk about these gun control measures and uh, why he thinks they are the wrong way to go in terms of protecting public safety, and certainly in terms of protecting our right to keep and bear arms. Congressman Lamborn, thank you so much, sir, for joining us on the program today. It's great to talk with you. Cam, it's great to talk with you. I, I wish the, uh, the topic were a better one. Unfortunately, uh, we are looking here at your colleagues on the uh, Democratic side of the aisle uh, bringing forward two gun control bills for a vote to perhaps as early as tomorrow. Are you still hearing that Wednesday uh, is likely going to be the day that they bring these bills to the floor? Yes, Sam, I think they're going to bring the bills to the floor for discussion and debate on Wednesday and then actually vote for them on Thursday. Okay, so, you know, at least we're going to get a chance to talk about these measures because there are some real problems here. Uh, And I know that, you know, the Democrats are bringing forward, let's say, the universal background check bill, H.R. 8. Uh, They're saying, you know, 90 percent of Americans support this. This is common sense. I've got to ask you, you've taken a look at this bill. You've read what it actually says. Do you think that this is a common sense piece of legislation that's going to save lives without impacting uh, legal gun owners in any way? Sam, no. This is not a good piece of legislation. It's not common sense. And it restricts the Second Amendment rights of Americans. Uh, it would subject you to criminal penalties for simply handing your firearm to another person or loaning to a friend. Um, or an abuse victim who might be a neighbor and has a temporary restraining order and can't go the three or ten days or whatever it might take for a background check and immediately. Uh, those kinds of things would be criminalized. So, you know, we already have background checks for private sales, for online sales, for dealers and gun shows. So uh, this is an expansion that does not address the problem, Camp. Had this and the other bill we're talking about, uh, H.R. 1446, been in place, none of those horrible tragedies that we all deplore, none of those would have been presented. Yeah. 
Well, and unfortunately, you're right about that. And it's it you know, it, it strikes me as really odd, Congressman, that on the one hand, uh, you know, you've got Democrats who uh, they, they, they passed the uh, the George Floyd uh, policing reform bill. They're they're calling for, uh, you know, an end to over incarceration. They're calling for a complete overhaul of the criminal justice system. And yet they want to put a new law in the books that would make it a federal offense. As you say, for somebody to loan a gun to their neighbor who's afraid that her abusive ex is going to show up at her door that night uh, because you're not allowed unless there's an imminent threat. Right. Somebody's actually breaking through your door. You're not allowed to transfer that firearm for even for the purposes of self-defense. And they want to make it a federal crime punishable by up to a year in prison to do this. It seems to me like there's a real contradiction here. On the one hand, they say they're fighting for criminal justice reform. On the other hand, they're trying to create criminals out of law-abiding gun owners. Tim, you really nailed, the, nailed it right on the head there. We need to enforce the laws we already have on the books. There are many people around this country, prosecutors, who simply don't devote the resources that they could to enforcing the laws that are already there. If we did that, it might be a different story. You know, studies show, Cam, that criminals who commit crimes with, with weapons uh, as part of the crime generally get them through theft, the black market, uh, a family member or a friend as a gift. They, they don't get them through legitimate sales where there are background checks. Uh, they find other ways to obtain their weapons. So you could have all the background checks in the world way beyond what we already have in place right now, which I think is a good system, efficient what we have right now. And, and, and it wouldn't make any difference for those who are actually out there committing crime. Absolutely. And, and as you say, this isn't going to prevent a crime. At the most, it's a charge that that you could that a prosecutor could bring after the fact. Right. After a crime has been committed, uh, they recover a firearm. They trace that firearm back. They, they find somebody who says, yeah, you know, I I sold that gun to somebody. And no, I didn't go through a background check that that I mean, theoretical possibility is really the only way that uh, anybody could be held accountable. And, and frankly, uh, you know, given the lack of a, a gun registration law in this country, I think it's going to be very difficult for prosecutors to prove that this was an illegal transfer that took place uh, after this law uh, took effect, which also leads me to worry that, uh, that this is just the first step, that they're not going to be content uh, with just passing a universal background check measure, that this is a prelude to a gun registration system. You know what, Cam, you're once again really nailing it. Um, back when Obama was in uh, office and Joe Biden was the vice president, of course, now this is the Obama third term mm -hmm. under Joe Biden, uh, one of his people said that universal background checks really aren't effective unless you have gun registration. It's one leads ultimately to the other. And that's what a lot of people liberals and progressives are really after. They want a gun registry that would be a huge suppression and violation of our Second Amendment rights. So that uh, in a time of crisis, uh, we have these dictatorship, uh, people with dictator uh, tendencies who are governors now or things like that, not that we know of any, but uh, they would be able to go out and take people's guns and know where everyone is located. So I'm that's like you said, that's the problem that could happen. 
Talking again with uh, Congressman Doug Lamborn uh, from Colorado. Let, let's talk about, if we can, this other bill for a second here, a bill authored by uh, Representative James Clyburn, uh, H.R. 1446, uh, called the Enhanced Background Checks Act of 2021. Uh, and uh, as you know right now, Congressman, uh, under federal law, if I go and I try to buy a gun at a gun store, uh, I go through the NICS system, uh, and it comes back delayed. I don't get approved, I don't get denied, but the, uh, the, the gun store owner gets a return of delayed. The federal government has three days... Uh, to dig deeper into my background, make sure that I'm not a prohibited person. If after those three days uh, they have not informed the seller of that firearm one way or the other, then the seller can release that gun. It's been my experience, quite honestly, that that most gun sellers don't. That They will wait until they uh, hear back from the FBI. But under the federal law, that's what they're allowed to do. Under Representative Clyburn's bill, however, this would be extended now to 10 business days, And it would really be extended indefinitely because if after 10 business days, the FBI still hasn't gotten back to that gun seller, that seller cannot release that firearm. Instead, they have to petition the federal government in writing to release that firearm, which, uh, you know, I got to tell you, Congressman, this gives so much power to the federal government to arbitrarily delay and, and in fact, indefinitely delay these uh, gun sales in some circumstances, this is supposed to be the national instant check system, not national whenever we get around to, to giving you an answer system. Absolutely, Cam. Uh, the, the FBI would have no incentive to uh, expedite these kinds of and background checks. Um, our constitutional rights should not be dependent on a bureaucracy that is working properly and them doing uh, their, their job um, in a timely manner. Something's got to give, and I, and I think what has to give is bureaucracy, not our constitutional rights. You know, in 2015, you may remember uh, New Jersey resident Carol Brown was murdered by her ex-boyfriend after she'd waited more than 40 days for a permit. And unfortunately, if we let this three days go to 10 days or even indefinite, like pointed out, it could be indefinite. We're going to have more Carol Brown country. That would be a huge It absolutely would be. One, one, one brief correction, uh, Congressman, it was actually Carol Bound, uh, not Brown. And I, I remember that case very well. I mean, she, yeah, was, she right. was literally murdered in her driveway uh, while, again, waiting for weeks on end for her permit to arrive in the state of New Jersey, as you pointed out. Uh, violated its own statute uh, and did not issue that permanent in a timely fashion. When, frankly, we're seeing this right now around the country. We've got lawsuits going on against the Illinois State Police over delays for their firearm owner identification cards. Uh, Concealed carry delays are lasting over a year uh, in the state of Illinois in some circumstances right now. We've had the Philadelphia gun permit simply close its offices for months on end so folks can't even apply for their concealed carry license. We, we, you know, we don't have to, again, talk about hypothetical situations where government abuses its power and these citizens' rights uh, are, are the ones that are impacted. We're watching this play out right now in real time. And you know what? It's not like we all don't want to end any kinds of mass like that. Uh, that's why under Republicans, we passed the 21st Century Viewers Act, really was the once-in-a-generation uh, resolution to many of the mental health problems that people have, finally. So, for instance, letting uh, parents know if their children are having difficulty in school or college that formerly they were not allowed to know, uh, or the students, teachers, and officers preventing 
School Violence Act, which let uh, which gave resources to hard schools and, and to uh, beef up training for stopping violence before it ever happened. You know, Republicans uh, and under Donald Trump and when we were of the House and Senate, we were doing some common sense. Things that really were common sense uh, solutions and steps in the right direction. Not kinds of uh, mindless bills that are just steps towards eroding our Second Amendment without really addressing the problem. Better right? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, look, as you say, those were efforts, though, that were focused on the actual problem. Uh, uh, you know, let's identify those who are most likely to uh, to commit a violent crime. Let's try to get them help so that they don't commit a violent crime. Uh, let's look at ways to, you know, turn people from a, 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 a criminal or gang lifestyle into productive members of society. Um, these are efforts that I think, you know, Second Amendment supporters can actually get behind because these are efforts that aren't aimed at restricting our right to keep and bear arms. Uh, unfortunately, you know, your, your colleagues are on the Democratic side of the aisle. Uh, you know, they take a very different view. They seem to view the problem as gun ownership. And if we can crack down on legal gun ownership, maybe there'll be some sort of trickle down effect on criminals at some point down the road. They, they just don't have respect for the Bill of Rights or a constitutional amendment. And Joe Biden, you know, uh, he is poised to a number of executive orders. If he doesn't get his way on liberal agenda in the House and Senate, uh, if these things don't pass, bad as they are, hopefully they won't. But and I don't think they will. But you, we can't let our guard down. Mm-hmm. He's going to try to do everything he can to protect. Yeah, he is. And I, uh, frankly, I'm I'm kind of surprised we actually haven't seen. Uh, some executive actions on firearms uh, uh, come out of the uh, the White House already. But as you say, maybe he's waiting to see what happens with these uh, gun control bills in the House. Um, so I, I've got to ask, uh, tomorrow you say that uh, we'll, we'll have a lot of debate. Um, have you planned, have you already started writing down uh, what, what your argument against these bills will be? Yeah, I'm working on that right now, and I'm trying to get the word out. You're a big step in helping do that. I appreciate your um, uh, outreach and the opportunity to talk with you. Well, listen, I appreciate your time today as well, Congressman. And I, uh, there, I, I you know, we've gone through some of the many objections to these proposals. Uh, but I, I, I really hope that uh, tomorrow you and your Republican colleagues uh, can question Democrats about, I, I think, that ideological contradiction. The idea that on the one hand, uh, we've got too many police, we've got over-policing, we've got over-incarceration. On the other hand, hey, let's create a new nonviolent federal offense that can put people in prison for simply loaning a gun to their neighbor. Uh, because those two things don't seem to to, to, to to mesh well, in my mind. No, they don't. They, they, don't want to, uh, they don't want to fund the police fully, and they don't want us to be able to ourselves. I don't know where that leads. Uh, after it's from both directions. Nowhere good, I think, is where that leads us. Uh, Congressman Doug Lambor from Colorado's 5th Congressional District. Thank you, sir, for joining us on the program today. Look forward to talking again very soon. All right. I do appreciate Congressman Lambor joining us on the program. You know, there was, there was one other argument that I would make for uh, uh, against Democrats here. Uh, you know, we talk again about the contradiction in terms between the Democrats on the one hand and say, hey, we need criminal justice reform. We've got too many people going to prison. Uh, let, let's put more nonviolent felony offenses on the books. Um, there's also the argument in terms of enforcement of these laws. You know, we've got a number of states around the country that are considering Second Amendment sanctuary language. We've got hundreds of uh, counties and cities that have already declared themselves to be Second Amendment sanctuaries. And 
if you really want to get down to it, the U.S. Supreme Court has already said back in the 1990s in a case called Prince versus United States that local and state law enforcement are under no obligation whatsoever to actually enforce federal law. Now, they can't get in the way. They can't be a roadblock between uh, federal law and, uh, and citizens, but they don't have to lift a finger to help. So if these new gun control laws were to pass, be signed by Joe Biden to go on the books, where do you think they would be enforced? Where do you think they would most likely be enforced? Not in red states, not in Second Amendment sanctuaries, but in deep blue Democrat-controlled cities. Uh, that is where these new gun control laws are going to be enforced. And they're primarily going to be enforced against nonviolent offenders. I, now, listen, I, I, again, I think there are real problems in terms of the enforceability of these measures anyway. But under the sort of hypothetical scenario that I laid out with the Representative Lamborn, you know, th th that's, that's really the only way that these laws are going to be enforced after the fact. And they're going to be enforced primarily in Democrat-controlled cities. Um, I, nah, maybe that doesn't matter to Democrats. But it seems to me like if you're really fighting for equality and you're really fighting for uh, a system of de-incarceration and a system where we're not over-prosecuting people, then maybe you don't want to put new laws on the books that are primarily going to be enforced by Democrat politicians and law enforcement in Democrat-controlled cities. Maybe. I don't know. Again, I, probably not enough to change any Democrats' mind, but um, one of the unintended consequences of the gun control measures. All right, let's uh, turn our attention now to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, our uh, recidivist report. Uh, in fact, we're going to start there uh, with a story. I've actually got a separate piece at Barry and Arms just about this story because it bothers me so much. And it is, it's, it's exactly what Congressman Lamborn and I were talking about. Democrats trying to put new laws on the books that are aimed squarely at legal gun owners. Meanwhile, what are Democrat district attorneys doing in places like San Francisco? They're letting violent criminal suspects out on their own recognizance or on really low bond, even after they have gone on to allegedly commit more crimes. This is the headline from KGO in San Francisco. Woman demands change after her alleged attacker arrested a new case two months later. This is a woman, uh, she's identifying herself only as a Valeria, and it was last September. She went out for a jog in San Francisco. She was accosted by a man who tried to rape her. Thankfully, she was able to get away. She said, a person passed me on a skateboard, he brushed my rear. She said, I thought it was an accident. After getting to 17th and Potrero at the stop sign, he passed again. He pushed me a lot. And when we arrived at San Bruno, I turned and he was already on top of me. She said, there's a bridge there where homeless people sleep. He pushed me towards the door and I was telling him, no, no, and pushed with my feet and I pushed him out. She was able to get away. KGO says what is perhaps most distressing to her, despite being arrested for kidnapping and false imprisonment in her case, in late November, 25-year-old Alan Stewart was arrested for raping a woman in a Soma parking garage. About two and a half months, again, after uh, being arrested for allegedly trying to kidnap and uh, attempt to rape Valeria, this guy was already back out on the streets and it was arrested for raping another woman. Valeria said, quote, I don't know why this had to happen to me. My concern is that person, that he doesn't come into jail because if he does, he's going to do the same thing. Well, as it turns out, that was actually the third arrest in 2020 for this suspect, Alan Stewart. In April, he was arrested for felony robbery and assault. 
Then in September, he was arrested for kidnapping. And then in December, excuse me, late November, he was arrested for rape. By the way, when he was arrested for rape in late November, he had an ankle monitoring device on because DA Chesa Budin apparently let him go under the condition that, you know, you wear this ankle monitoring device so we can keep an eye on you. How well did that work out? How well did that work out? By the way, there is a, a recall campaign underway against Chesa Budin in San Francisco and other uh, progressive DAs like George Gascone in uh, Los Angeles, who, again, are going light on violent crime while proclaiming the need for more gun control laws that are aimed at people who are legal gun owners. This gets it completely backwards. And you wonder again why crime is rising in places like San Francisco, Los Angeles, Chicago, New York. It's because the politicians in charge of those cities get it backwards. They're trying to crack down on legal gun owners while giving a slap on the wrist to the violent criminals in their midst. All right, today's armed citizen story. Nassau, New York. Man shoots robber, threatened with knife, according to police. Uh, out on uh, Long Island uh, from the Massapequa Patch. A, a Massapequa man who was trying to rob a person on the street at knife point shot by one of his victims, according to Nassau County Police. According to police, a 56-year-old man standing in front of his home. It was about 5.30 in the morning on uh, March the 6th when he was approached by 21-year-old Aiden Dewar. Dewar demanded the man's cash and keys. A 51-year-old man who was nearby saw what was happening and tried to help out the uh, homeowner. Police say Dewar turned towards him, pulled out a knife, began to threaten him. Dewar then began to approach the man while holding the knife. And, quote, in fear for his safety, the 51-year-old pulled out his handgun and shot Dewar once in the leg. Dewar ran. Police found him a, a short time later, placed him under arrest. He was taken to a nearby hospital for treatment. Charged with uh, two counts of first-degree attempted robbery, two counts of second-degree menacing, fourth-degree criminal possession of a weapon. Uh, he will be arraigned when, quote, medically practical. Right now, it looks as if the armed citizen isn't facing any charges, but given that this is New York and this guy was outside of his home, I really hope that he possesses a carry license because otherwise he very well could be arrested and face charges for simply helping his neighbor uh, and protecting his neighbor against an armed robber. We'll keep an eye on this story. We'll give you more details as it become available. Uh, finally, today, our good deed of the day from Georgia a police officer and a good Samaritan in the right place at the right time, willing and able to save a teen from a burning building. Uh, this is I mean, absolutely unbelievable. Uh, Shannon, Georgia, Floyd County. Uh, police officer there, uh, Blake Puckett, rescuing an unconscious girl from the burning wreckage of a truck after it crashed head on with a vehicle that was traveling the uh, wrong way down the road. Sergeant Josh Ward says there is no doubt that if uh, Officer Puckett had not gotten the female out of the car when he did, she would not be with us at this time. His swift actions and calm demeanor saved her life. This happened uh, about 11 p.m. Monday night. Police received a call about a wrong-way driver in uh, Shannon, Georgia. They said officers on the scene moments later saw the twisted wreckage uh, inside one of the vehicles, 18-year-old Lauren Putnam, unresponsive, strapped in by her seatbelt. Uh, Officer Puckett used his knife to cut her free with the help of a, a passerby, Harrison Booker, the uh, pair able to pull her out of the vehicle. The uh, driver and the uh, other two occupants were able to get out with the uh, help of other citizens that responded. A fire uh, erupted in that vehicle immediately after the impact. So again, uh, life-saving measures here taken by that officer in the Good Samaritan. The uh, vehicle, by the way, that hit, uh, that was going the wrong way down the road, driven by a guy named Raul Villalobos, driving at a high rate of speed, nearly struck other vehicles. Villalobos remains hospitalized. He's facing charges of DUI. 
serious injury by vehicle, reckless driving, driving while unlicensed, as well as no insurance. Hey, you know what? Maybe we can uh, pass a law that requires people to have a license before they get behind the wheel of the car. That should solve all of these types of problems, right? No. Again, you can put laws on the books. Criminals won't obey them. And so then the issue becomes, what are the most effective ways to actually target those people who are committing crimes like this? Do you go after every law-abiding citizen in the hopes that it's going to have some trickle-down effect on criminals? No. Targeted deterrence. That's the way to go. You focus on those most likely to offend. You focus on those who already have a criminal record, who are repeat offenders. Because we know that a preponderance of violent crime in this country is committed by a very small fraction of the population. Crime fighting by restricting the rights of Americans not only is unconstitutional, it's completely ineffective. If you want safer streets, if you want safer communities, you don't try to ban or arrest your way to safety. You actually target those who are responsible for eroding the safety and security in our communities. It's, just, I mean, it's common sense. It's real common sense. But unfortunately, that attitude not really found on the Democratic side of the aisle in Congress. All right, we are going to have more for you on the uh, Democrats' gun control push on the next edition of Bearing Arms, Cam & Company. want to thank you again for being a part of today's program. Don't forget, you can subscribe on YouTube to Town Hall Media. We're at Rumble. Just look for Bearing Arms, Cam & Company. If you want the audio, we've got you covered as well. Amazon Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the townhall.com podcast page as well. We certainly do appreciate all of your support uh, for uh, sharing these uh, the, these programs each and every day, getting the word out. And uh, don't forget to check out barryandarms.com throughout the day for even more of the latest Second Amendment news and information as well. We'll see you tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.